All of you sneakerheads are going to love this episode of Founder Journey. Dion Perlika is co-founder and CEO of Soul Savvy, a community of sneaker lovers. We're going to talk about the joy of collecting, the global growth of the sneakerhead community, and how members of the community are impacting and changing each other's lives above and beyond just sneakers. Dion and his team built a tech company without a technical co-founder. So we're also going to talk about the ingenuity of stitching together a number of free resources and products and services to build out a platform of their own. Three, two, one. The entire shoe industry is on fire right now, especially high-end sneakers. Really cool to have uh, Dion Pralika from uh, Soul Savvy, co-founder, CEO. Uh, Soul Savvy is a marketplace for shoe nerds, sh- uh, uh, sneakerheads. There's so many different nerd uh, terminology for it. But uh, Dion, welcome to Founder Journey. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and then tell us about this world of sneakers. I, I am indeed a sneakerhead. Um, I'm probably a sneaker nerd too, but we'll go, we're going to stick with, with sneakerhead for the sake of the conversation. Uh, yeah, I'm the co-founder CEO of Soul Savvy. Um, we're not a marketplace yet. Um, currently, we're, we're a community, a subscription platform for people who, who love sneakers. Um, we wanted to create something that value users lives and and that value we we distinguish through community time and and saving money and um that's what we're trying to build we've bootstrapped an incredible company and now we're looking to build the future through through product and technology and when did you guys start soul savvy the idea came came together uh you know february of 2018 um we spent six seven months kind of doing the thinking planning um uh, part of the business. So, so we're fairly new still it's two, two years and you got a COVID year in there, so we won't count it, <laughs> but, uh, COVID but counts would, three years, my man, <laughs> <laughs> but I would imagine that, uh, during COVID soul sadly probably did fairly well in terms of community and, and like nobody could do anything else. And so people were spending a lot more time online, a lot more time talking to people online. Uh, so how did that translate? Yeah. Uh, that's very true. It was both sides of that, right? So we had people who were like, well, I don't have anything else as far as engagement, interaction, community. Um, so being a part of Soul Savvy is even more important to me, even though if I'm not buying sneakers, I can still t- talk to other people and feel a sense of connection uh, online if I can't do that in person. But at the same time, we have people who had no money, um, who were broke, who were losing mm-hmm. their jobs, who had to make ends meet. And a, and a $30 a month subscription was just not feasible even even if we were offering a, a temporary discount to help keep some of our longer customers around ultimately you know they have priorities so it came with its good and its bad and it was challenging and we've been balancing that act so you know is it fair to say that it helped us boom last year probably but at the same time it, it, it came with its challenges mm-hmm. throughout so definitely some people benefited but other people got hurt by covid and uh, it sounds like a lot of the people that were near and dear to your heart, the ones that were there at the beginning uh, when Soul Savvy was starting, the ones that you really appreciate for sticking it out, may needed a, a little bit of a hand to continue, right? And a lot of, a lot of people stuck around. Um, we, weren't, we weren't losing. It was just, you know, someone might join and, and then like two weeks later lose their mm-hmm. job, right? There was a lot of turnover in people's lives. And I think a lot of companies experienced that same type of, of challenge um, through the pandemic. Oh man, like just opening and closing their doors and subscriptions going up and down and, and everyone went through it to some degree. I don't think anyone's, anyone was immune to it. So 
I want to take a step away from Soul Savvy itself and talk about you as a sneakerhead. Where did your passion for sneakers and, and uh, uh, your uh, inauguration into the sneakerhead community come from? Yeah, I mean, it was a slow build. Um, it wasn't like I was became a sneakerhead overnight. Uh, I played basketball at Terry Fox Secondary, obviously um, big name associated with school. I believe in one of my years, um, maybe my junior year, the team was sponsored by Nike. And that was when I remember getting like my first pair of sneakers that like felt special to me. Um, this was at a time my parents were, we immigrated to Canada, they had no money, like buying sneakers as a kid was mm -hmm. uh, go to sport check, buy one, get one free or buy one, get one half off. And that's what you guys would get, like find something on that wall. It was never anything more than that. It was just like functionality to, to wear shoes. Yeah, I remember from for me, it was like, yeah, you, you want a pair of uh, Adidas, but you're gonna get Adidas from Zellers. <laughs> so the knockoffs, you're, you're not getting Pumas, you're getting uh, Pumas uh, or, or whatnot. Yeah, 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 no, definitely. And um, so I just kind of built from there. I remember those shoes, I still have them in my garage. Um, graduated in 2006, here and there, bought some shoes, you know, as you grow and you have your money, you're working, you tend to buy things you like. I remember 2009 is a year that I that really stuck out to me because of the uh, pair of Jordan fives that I really wanted that I, I looked at the time and I was like, man, 300 bucks for this, this is crazy. For it was, it was a two pack, I think 350. And I remember going, there's no way I'm spending 350 bucks on this. Like that's insane. And like, obviously they're worth like a thousand dollars now each, like it's just, the industry has completely changed and then uh, around 2011, I started my first business. And so what point did you go from functionality to collection? So I'm buying a pair of shoes and I want to wear them out and then I'm going to play basketball too. I'm buying a pair of shoes that they're sitting on a shelf. Um, I think I still buy everything with the intention of, of wearing it at some point. Um, personally, yeah, I, as much as I, I'm definitely a collector, but I'm also like, I'm going to wear this because and at that it. point, yeah. I mean, look, life is, there's a lot to go on in life. The last thing I need to do is add to my 400 pair sneaker collection with something I never have the intention of wearing. Um, I think if I love it enough to buy it and look at it, I want to wear it. And that's how I operate. Not everyone's like that. Not every collector thinks that way, but um, that's that's how I'm going. Yeah, because I've got a friend, he's got uh, 30 pairs of shoes, uh, but I think the minimum price point on any one of them is 500 bucks. And so they're not ones that he's wearing. He's buying them, collecting them, and they're 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 on display. So totally different type of uh, collector to what what you are. But this is an industry that's blowing up around the world, and it's it's not just uh, like again geographically, third world country. It doesn't matter. Like people are sneakerheads all over the world, and it's not just uh, males. It's females. It's um, LGBTQ. Like the the dynamics is all over the map, and. Uh, this is where soul savvy really comes in is you you've built a community you've allowed people to get together and, and talk about what they're passionate about in this case it's shoes yeah yeah i mean it's it's that common touch point that people have right it's whatever you are it could be anything it doesn't have to be sneakers for us it's obviously sneakers but it's that idea of something that you love that you want to engage with other people who also love that who are inherently going to appreciate you and that topic for what it is and not there, there's no judgment around that right and and for sneakerheads it's you know we don't know a lot of people locally to us who are sneakerheads like we are so being able to come into a community and a platform like ours and just 
meet other people who inherently get you at your core um, is something really special. It's like that idea of finding friends online, which is hard. Um, after you leave high school, how many, I mean, how many friends do you still have from high school? Um, and how do you meet new friends? Where does that happen, right? That's part of something we're trying to trying to build. And can you maybe talk about uh, some of the some some of the more interesting things that you saw pop up in the community that you you were like, wow, I never would have thought soul savvy would be used in this way, or these type of things would be happening in, in the community that we built. Yeah, um, it's it's the the downs the ups in life, but especially the downs in life that people experience. Um, I've seen people pop in and, hey, I have COVID and I'm having a really hard time. Um, my girlfriend just broke up with me after I proposed to her um, and I'm just devastated. Um, someone's died in my family. It's these like really these moments where um, people should normally kind of run and hide and be, they want to alone and don't want to talk to anyone about it. They're coming to the community and having those conversations and open, you know, open out in the open and in public because they feel like, again, they have a sense of belonging and a sense of community that these are people they can reach out to for advice and feedback. And I never expected that. Um, you know, you, I can see people celebrating the wins in life and I'm just being so excited about it that they'll post a bit about it, but something that like inherently like might make you want to cry that you would now talk to in a public channel with a thousand other people um, is very hard to do. And I think that says a lot about the community that we do build that people can feel that sense of trust um, with everyone else wow it's really really powerful right uh and all done in, in, in just a few years but you did this without a technical co-founder and so you are a tech company you're building a platform you're building um, uh, hopefully a marketplace and, and financial transactions and whatnot down the path but you've been doing this without a technical co-founder so kind of walk us through the, the challenges and, and maybe the benefits of not having a technical co-founder? Well, it's basically like pick what challenge you want to deal with, right? Um, we were in the business of creating an audience and a community. Um, so we had customers and, and revenue versus going into and, and then building product for that audience that we've found and acquired who are part of our ecosystem versus the flip of that, which is spending a bunch of money to build something that we think people want because we've tested it and we've, we have an idea of what people are looking for and then ultimately finding out that uh, they, they don't they don't want to be a part of that at all. And, and that's, you, you're going to have challenges on both sides of that, right? Um, I not being, I mean, I'm, I can write HTML, CSS. I don't think that qualifies as technical anymore. Yeah. Um, I've graduated out of that. Um, but you know, the the co-founders were not were not technical, right? So our approach was, what can we do to give our business head start? And that was building audience, building a customer base, right? You don't need hundreds of thousands of dollars in IP to build an audience, a loyal audience, right? That will pay for a product. You you can do that at any at any point. You just have to get started and think about it strategically. So that's the approach we took. And now that we have we have the funding, um, we have real revenue. We can go out and build that product and have you know that feedback loop of thousands of customers to help us literally build the perfect thing because they are our stakeholders and they're invested in, in who we are. So there's challenges on both sides, right? Obviously, we had to piece together um, where we are, what we got to now with with no tech on board, um, no technical staff, really just freelancing it. Um, so it has its challenges, but also its perks. 
and speaking about like stitching things together and uh, looking at different ways to grow your community, you guys hacked together a pretty um, stable and, and, and uh, robust platform. Uh, and you guys did it with free tools. You, again, no technical um, heavyweights on your team. So you guys were either doing it yourself, learning yourself, or maybe hiring some contractors to come in and help you piecemeal here and there. But to walk us maybe through that of, of how you've put together, stitched together all these different tools, free tools uh, that you can leverage to build your platform. Yeah, it's like, this is a great time to start a business because you have all of these different services, free or paid, in some perspective, um, that can help you get started. You don't need to build an email marketing tool like you would have had to have done 15 years ago, right? Like you want to start up a business, everything you need, almost everything you need is at your disposal, right? You've got the MailChimp, the active campaigns of the world, you've got Stripe for um, for payments, you've got different membership tools for collecting revenue, you've got, if you want to do courses, lessons, there's someone's built something already to help you get started. And that's how we built our MVP. So instead of, you know, building a chat platform community for sneakerheads, we said, what's up there? So I looked at Slack, Discord, Mattermost, um, looked at the different tools, open source paid, and picked one and said, okay, let's let's rock with this. And that's how we ended up on, on Slack on a free plan. Um, there's just, there's so much at our disposal right now that I feel like why reinvent the wheel when you can just pay someone a hundred bucks a month for their service. That's, you know, tons of time, money and resources have went into creating that and you can just integrate it and, and rock with it from there. So I'm a big believer of building that way. Um, you know, it's the, the, I hate to poke fun at Quibi, but like, <laughs> You know, they thought they had the perfect solution and spent hundreds of millions of dollars and then everyone was billions. like, no. They spent billions. <laughs> well, I don't know if they spent the billions just yet, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like they, yeah. you know, they were so confident that they had a winner that they didn't stop to actually think and test that out. Um, and you can blame COVID, but you know, it's that that's the opposite approach of what we've taken, right? It's slow and steady. Find a hundred people who really believe in what you're building and, and iterate from there and, and build up and scale up to a wider wider net of users yeah and i guess the, the key here is is making sure that you actually own the users you own the ultimate data and so there's platforms that you can leverage that can um, expedite the way that uh, you're, you're able to get traction with users and build out the data pool that you need to validate your business then go for it um, but uh, at some point you feel that you do need to kind of flip flip it on its head and now start to build an infrastructure that allows you to do things that you weren't able to do before. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if, if scale and growth are, are top of mind. Um, but yeah, the, the, there's a lot to help you get started. You just need to be, you do, you, you do need to own that audience. So it's like one thing to say, Hey, I have a, a million followers on Twitter or Instagram, but like, how do you get that audience out? Mm -hmm. um, it's better to collect that somewhere else whether that's a sub stack or, or something that, you you know, we, we were, were built on WordPress and a membership plugin that was a hundred bucks. Like I can export that whole database and import it into anything else, um, import it over when, when we need to. Right. So owning that audience is really important. Yeah. I'll, I want to take a circle back to you and uh, your journey and 
we can go past uh, outside of soul savvy if, if you want but uh, what would you say has been the biggest challenge or struggle for you what's kept you up at night i default to the last year um raising money through a pandemic uh is very challenging um you know we we went out on the fundraising trail in march april of 2020 and that was like when i think everyone thought the world was going to end and it was like do we have enough toilet paper to get through the rest of 2020 and um just panic uh ensued i think everywhere especially in the you know the venture capital world and that made it really hard to raise capital especially for a company that um you know is in operating in, in unique spaces one being sneakers um two being community i i remember you know meetings where it was like community you don't have a product you just you're, you want me to invest in community <laughs> um whereas you know the the mindset around that the past year has really really changed. I think now people are like, no, you need to build audience and community to have a successful business. That should be one of the core pillars of, of creating um, a, a company now. Um, and that's what we were doing a year ago is just the mindset COVID has shifted that. So mm -hmm. while fundraising is always a challenge, it's it's no matter how easy it might look or people see, hey, we've raised a million, two million, three million dollars, whatever it might be. Um, it's it's hard. It's always going to be challenging. But for, for me, throwing on a pandemic made it extra challenging because um, I was like honestly 200 no's um, I took tons of meetings from April to July just no after no after no after no after no and that wears on you because you're just like oh am I wrong is this is this a bad idea um, maybe I shouldn't do this business you, know, you start to question kind of what's going on um, and and obviously um, that you know it gets to you and I got to the point where it's like mm, August 1st I just took two weeks off. I was like, fuck it. <laughs> I don't want to talk to any VCs. I want to think about fundraising money. I'm going to go just enjoy, enjoy some time away with the family. Um, came, came back at it and then um, everything kind of started happening there, started clicking uh, from there for us. So again, those 200 no's, you, from an entrepreneur and founder's perspective, you might be in a situation where you've had a couple mediocre meetings and then you get a good one and you feel confident about yourself and then you, you go into your next meeting and it's like somebody's shitting all over you. Um, how do you, how do you keep yourself sane? I, I know you took yourself to the limit and you need to take a step back and, and give yourself a break from it in August. But in that journey, uh, what did you do to keep yourself motivated or keep yourself um, focused on what you wanted to accomplish? I mean, the business itself, right? Being, you know, if, you know, an investor questioned the idea, the legitimacy of it, um, to be able to go back into the business that we were building and our community ultimately, and, you know, see that validation of that, yeah, you know, I'm right, these people are wrong because um, no great company is built off a bunch of yeses. It takes challenging the norm. It's why I'm, I'm, you know, one of our investors believes in narrative violations. And I think that's what we are. And when you're violating that narrative, it's really hard for people to understand. So, so for me, it was just, I mean, obviously I'm very passionate about what we're building, what we're doing. Um, I know our customers are, so I had that kind of support system behind me of like, no, we are building a great business. And um, I have that proof with with all of our customers and what we're doing. And obviously I love the space. So, you know, easier said than done. It's not the same for everyone, but that's kind of um, where I went back to it. Okay. And let's go back to the actual journey of, of getting those 
calls and meetings again pandemic everybody was kind of freaked out that okay things are locking down there's no more travel how am i going to meet investors i can't go to a pitch event i can't go to uh, networking events how did you navigate that and and how were you able to secure those meetings and those zoom calls yeah so uh we joined an accelerator uh in april as well um jason calacanis's uh, launch accelerator um so that was obviously uh, a big boost for us because it opened up their network we did uh every thursday we did a, a pitch session it was usually myself and five other companies um 10 to 15 investors would show up we'd all pitch there'd be conversations questions they'd vote on their top ones so i'd have 15 contacts there so we we were always every week practicing the pitch and and taking investment questions and at the same time um i would reach out to different investors um and so the the accelerator pitches those are all done via zoom and then do you feel that you were able to uh, adjust because pitching in person is very different than pitching on zoom i never pitched in person okay. so i okay. personally only know pitching on zoom life like I, I i don't even know what yeah i don't even know i have no idea um i've only done zoom i've raised every dollar um that we, we have through zoom meetings uh, i've not met any of my investors in person um, personally, I couldn't imagine the amount of time I would have had to have wasted to do this. Um, I think this was for the better. And I think finding that probably like 80-20 split of 80% Zoom, 20% to go close or to like really make sure it's a fit or finalize the deal is where it should be versus like all this in-person nonsense, which just seems inefficient. Um, but yeah, I did it all on Zoom. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it, definitely in person, it, it, it's, it's harder. Yeah. Um to get the meetings, but uh, uh, you said you did 200 meetings, you probably would have maxed out at 100 in person. <laughs> right, like, I mean, I there was days where I had 10, 15 meetings. I would just sit there, just back to back. I would just take any investor you want to talk to me, um, want to hear who's interested, and we go th- and we go through the business, and I just turned into a, a, a pitching machine some days. Um, but yeah, I think I, I personally, I'm, I'm glad it, w- it was like that. Um, I couldn't imagine having to be away from home, flying, travel. Um, yeah, there's definitely going to be a paradigm shift in the, in the angel and VC world uh, for the early stages, for sure, where your level of investments, so you're putting up 10000 15000 25000 maybe even a $100,000 check to some people won't be worth, like, A, getting on plane themselves to go somewhere, or B, leaving their offices to go to a pitch event or whatnot. It's just, hey, hit me up in Zoom, show me a deck. Uh, now, when you're making eight, nine-figure check <laughs> investments, that's totally different. But um, let's go back to the, again, the ups and downs. Like, So you, you get yourself to August, you've taken a break, you come back, and things start clicking. What is it that uh, you feel kind of just started to resonate with people was it the realization okay pandemic's over or was there something more to it where there was a uh an adoption of tech that's coming down the pipeline that's faster than uh was previously expected in e-commerce like what is it do you, that you feel was a magic catalyst yeah catalyst. you say pandemic is over and i'm just like man we are still living it right now <laughs> <laughs> and we got hopefully only a couple more months to go but it was it was pandemic related for me i think um 
there was a shift in the mindset of how you can build a company. And I don't know where it came from, but I just feel like the light bulb went off of like, hey, no, you can build audience first. Community is an important part of, of, of as far as like a distribution model goes mm -hmm. for kind of building that that network and that brand. Um, I just felt like everyone started to get it. Or, or maybe it was the fact that I got that one yes, which opened up the network to other people who thought like that person. I, I'm not sure you could think about it both ways, but I just feel like after being cooped up for five months, people realized, oh, I, I can understand how community is gonna be very important to people's lives digitally and building those friendships online because mm -hmm. um, social media, in my opinion, kind of sucks. Um, and, and I think that's something that, that we can course correct and uh, improve upon. And, and how do you see that really functioning in terms of uh, post-pandemic uh, people are going to get back out into the real world people are going to be doing physical things are they going to be less dependent on their community or is community going to be that much more ingrained in their lives moving forward yeah i think it kind of goes to some of the the habits it basically it's forming new habits for people um mm -hmm. you know we talk about how COVID is moving e-commerce forward three, four, five years, subscriptions, all this difference, all these different habits are being built. Um, I think there's going to be a, a rush uh, in the summer where people people are, are available to do more and then it'll balance itself out throughout the rest of the year because they have built those habits around how they, how they shop, how they act, what they do, where they quit. Um, and, and that's not going to just go back to normal. I think we've we've kind of accelerated into something we might have hit in five or six, seven years personally. And I think that's just friendships and bonding online, um, not just the sneakers. I just mean like in general, I think that's something people will want um, because now it's like, you know, it, instead of the dating, finding someone to date, it's like, hey, how can I meet other people to go have a beer with who I just know I'll get along with because we meet, meet these certain character traits or, or we have a history, right? I think that's something that's gonna fundamentally change in social media and um, COVID's helped bring that to light. Yeah, I definitely think that there's a lot of research already been done that there's this huge pent up demand to go out and spend money and travel and, and uh, experience physical things. But the retail side of things is, is really gonna um, pick back up quite a bit because people have money and they wanna spend it. and. Uh, uh, definitely, I see shoes as a market that a lot of people are going to either jump back into or start exploring um, for the first time. Yeah, the sneaker industry never slowed down. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I bought more sneakers in the last 12 months than I normally do in a 12 month span, which is pretty insane for someone who leaves the house once a week to get groceries. <laughs> yeah, well, I think a lot of people ditch the suit and tie and, and, and the uh, pencil skirts and blouses and then. Yep. Live more casual attire and what goes better with uh, yeah. your Lululemons and a pair of Nikes or yeah. Adidas. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Dion, you've been awesome with your time. Uh, we want to kind of wrap this up with three questions. Yep. Standard three questions. First one is an app or a tool that you found indispensable in your journey as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, I am very, very heavy on email. Uh, I, I use email as a to-do list. I do all my work through email. I, I just how I stay organized and functional. So I don't know that I could have gotten through the last year without superhuman. I couldn't imagine what my inbox would have been like, um, juggling what I did without that 
app and platform and, and service. That's the best $30 subscription I've ever paid in my life. And um, I find it um, super, super worthwhile for someone who's heavy on email. And how is it superhuman different than Gmail for our audience? Because I think a lot of people either haven't heard of it or they haven't experienced them themselves. Um, that's like Gmail is like, I, it's superhuman's like email on crack. Like it's just it's feature rich, um, it's efficient, it's speedy. Everything that you that you would need to be uh, efficient and organized is there and done perfectly and built from the ground up. So it's very fast. Um, it does everything you need to do, and and honestly, just uh, every single feature is is so well thought out and thought it from the perspective of like, how can I make doing X better in email? They just went and did it, and they're constantly iterating to improve that. Whereas I feel like the Gmail infrastructure in this system, for the most part, hasn't really changed. Um, they've just they've they've tweaked it here and there, but I think the core of it is 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 the same. Whereas Superhuman, they just built from the ground up uh, around what it means to use email. Yeah, I'm definitely a heavy email user as well and running multiple companies. But uh, uh, I, I, yeah, I live in my email inbox. <laughs> my team will tell you that. Uh, what about in terms of um, our second question is, is in terms of building a new company, you guys are fairly still new, but if you were to start again, 2021, what advice would you give to your future self or your new self, new entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, it would be something along along the lines of slow and steady. Um, I don't think you you need to rush. I don't think you need to get your first thousand customers in in thirty days or sixty days. Um, really, just take your time understanding what you're trying to build. Don't think you have the answers because you don't. You definitely don't have a clue. Um, as good as an idea as you think you are, you have. Um, once you get started, it's going to change and evolve. So just start from somewhere and don't feel like you have to achieve all these things in a short amount of time so for me it's patience um i think when i look back to you know for us it's only been two and a half years maybe since we officially launched um we've we've achieved a lot and and that was because again we took our time we were patient we reinvested slowly we didn't try to hit you know any crazy milestones we were just trying to build the best company so you know i say we've been at this for two and a half years but i would say 16 months of that was just purely around trying to understand who we are, what we're trying to do and improving on that slowly until we felt we were ready to really ramp that up. So yeah, patience. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I think you guys, you guys hit that yeah, inflection now, point, hit that inflection point where you what's know working, what's working, working, who you are yeah. and who you and, are. Uh, and uh, now it's just now time, just time to put the gas, gas on the fire. fire. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've, to, 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 for us, I feel like we've hit, um, the next stage of that, which is we know who we are and, and what we want to build. Now it's polishing that even more. Like I think there's like evolutions to that polish. Um, and that just comes with, with growth. Just as a person, like, look, when you were 20, you thought you were the smartest person on earth. When you turned 25, you thought you were the smartest person on earth and there's nothing else you could learn. You turn 30, it's it just you keep growing and improving and learning and mm -hmm. learning. There's never a point where like you're the best version of you. And I think the same thing to a business so you know if you go into it on day one thinking this is what it's going to be like on day 365 you're just setting yourself up on failure because you're going to use preconceived notions for what you should be doing instead of reacting and learning from, from what's happening as you as you build that business no it's great great point there 
Uh, and finally, what is it that our audience can do for you? You're building a great platform, great community, uh, but uh, how can our audience help you? Yeah. Um, well, if you're a sneakerhead, obviously, or if you're into sneakers or want to get into sneakers or curious, uh, check us out. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of great things for all different types of users in the community, whether that's novice or experienced. Um, there's something for everyone. But mostly um, hiring is very difficult, um, if, especially in engineering. Uh, if, if you can help us hire, we have job postings up on uh, uh, soulsavvy.recruity dot com one v two e's <laughs> uh we spell soul savvy wrong take a look at, at the jobs we have open if if you know anyone who's qualified or who could be a good fit especially if they're sneakerhead or into sneakers understand the culture um we would love intros and and have them apply so that would be my my biggest ask and are you guys open to hiring anybody from anywhere in the world or are you looking for only people in your backyard or we are we are fully remote i think at this stage we want to keep that within north america at least so somewhere okay, in okay. that, some uh, PST to EST time frame. All right. So North American based, but uh, remote is the way to go moving forward. <laughs> we are 25 employees completely dis uh, remotely distributed. So uh, LA, Toronto, Charlotte, Dallas, Houston, um, Vancouver, obviously. Um, yeah, we're everywhere right now. Awesome. So anybody out there looking for a new place to hang your hat as an engineer uh, or any type, any type of role at all, <laughs> so savvy for the sneakerheads, for the non-sneakerheads, check it out. Dion, this has been awesome. Uh, loved looking at uh, your collection back there, and I look look forward to seeing Soul Savvy uh, kind of dominate the sneaker market okay, moving sneaker forward. Market. Moving Thank forward. you. No, I appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Launch Ventures is for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. Every Friday, starting February 5th, we will be releasing an episode of Founder Journey Series. Please like, share, and follow. We are excited to share the series with you. If you're interested in taking our course,